We're going to give Rich Reese a call right now. Uh, Rich is uh, the show producer. Uh, Rich is a longtime friend, and uh, he's show number three. So uh, let's see what he's up to. Hello? Rich? Yes. What do you mean, yes? You make it sound like I'm the Fuller Brushman calling. Yes, sir. Can I help you? Uh, yeah, I'm looking to get something in a size 11. Perfect. Yeah. What's up? I'm just cooking. I'm making some salsa. You know, it's so funny you should say that because I just made myself one of my favorite meals. And you know what was missing? No. Your salsa. That stuff we had yesterday at Ruby's was ridiculous. And I literally, as I'm eating my rice and eggs and avocado, I'm realizing... That's what was missing, and I could literally taste how good it would have been uh, had I actually had it. But uh, is that what you're making? You're making more of that or something else? I'm making more of that same delicious Mexico City pesto salsa. Yeah, that's what it is, and that's a pretty good description. And again, I wish I would have had that about 10 minutes ago when I was eating my breakfast. But uh, the brighter note is uh, you're making more. I am. Am I going to be able to get a little bit of that? I'll give you some uh, at the next meeting. Oh, that's a beautiful the story. Next meeting of the mind. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I let them know you're show number three. I've known you a bit in and out when you've been here, when you've decided to be in Ashland and not be jet-setting around Europe or whatever the hell you do. And, uh, yeah. And that you're producing this show now. It's kind of a formalization that I'm actually really doing this is I'm bringing someone else into my insanity who's fucking dumb or crazy enough to actually get involved with me on any level. So, hey, thanks, Rich. You know, and someone with some time on their hands, you know, that can... I think your boredom factor is definitely working in my favor because if you had shit to do, you wouldn't have shit to do with me. I wouldn't have taken this call. Rich has an incredibly beautiful home about... uh, six blocks from me and it's my new place to eat really well and hang out and smoke weed and think and talk and 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 get all philosophical and and plan the perfect world and and talk about being a vegan and all this other cool shit that i have this guy i can do that with and that's that's rich which is uh, rich in the music industry, which is why, not the, the sole reason, but that's the fucking sell, is he's been bringing uh, hardcore, amazing, interesting human beings to the show to be on the show, uh, like today's show. Who do we have on today's show, Rich? Who is on today's show? Would it be Sophie Barker? Yeah, Sophie Barker. That's the, our first international connection. Uh, The first time that uh, Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg has reached across the oceans and uh, connected with the UK with Sophie Barker. Incredibly beautiful, talented, ridiculous, around 30 years under her belt in uh, the music business. Yep, very powerful woman. She was one of the founders of Zero Seven. She's kind of a legend in England. She's a lovely woman. Well, I think she's going to end up being a legend here. She's well-received. I guess you brought her out a couple times to do her U.S. tours. Yeah, and she came to Ashland. Well, she did a whole U.S. tour, right? At least one or two? Uh, I booked three of them for her. Three of them. Three U.S. tours you took care of. Yeah, she loves you to death. And um, so it's really cool that kind of the launching of this 
relationship between you and I coincides with the trifecta of uh, Sophie coming on the show. She's she's smart and funny and uh, and super passionate about this whole life thing. I, I loved letting her rip. So what are you doing today besides cooking and that? Oh, that's about it. Just uh, relaxing on a Sunday, you know, getting back into the crazy craziness of the music business tomorrow. Yeah, you know, we're supposed to have some snow and some inclement weather coming around. So. Yeah, and it's good kind of huddling up. I'm hoping Sam figures out how to make his way over here today. And uh, we're going to hang out and maybe watch some movies, go for a walk, head to the co-op, do a little grocery oh, no. shopping. And I think we're going to listen to the show like right now. Today's show is sponsored by Paris Green, 77 Oak Street, Ashland, Oregon. Paris Green. Paris is always a good idea. Hello, everybody. So glad you came into this store. We got such nice, pretty new items for you. Special for you. More hats. Look at all these hats. They're so French. C'est magnifique. You look unbelievable in these hats. If you look over here, we have all these beautiful fabric tulips. They look so real. I can't believe they're not real. And you don't have to water them. You don't have to do anything. Put them in a beautiful vase and they're good to go for as long as you want to, you know, dust them off once in a while. Come to Paris Green, 77 Oak Street, Ashland, Oregon. It's the grooviest place in town. I would not lie to you because I am not a liar. See you soon. Bye-bye. I am Citizen 44. You see, 
Dad? What's happening? Not much. What's going on over there? We're going to uh, an opera today. An opera? What opera? I don't even know the name of it. Where's the opera? Downtown. Oh, how exciting. What's happening? Uh, just kind of getting my day started. It was 38 here this morning. Oh, wow. So you're kind of right there. I mean, it's probably... No, it's beautiful out right now. What's that mean? Like 70? Yeah. Really? 70. Oh, man. Yeah. God. It was cold this morning. Well, it's cold now, and we're in kind of a winter storm watch, and I don't even have any idea what that means, but I brought my bicycle upstairs. It's in the hallway. It's not outside. Oh, really? Well, I screwed up the other day. I park in this little alleyway next to the building, and Emily, the woman who owns uh, the soap place down the street, was emptying her car. So instead of being an intelligent human being and just waiting, like, maybe five minutes for her to leave, I was impatient. I, I... Parked the bike on the street and locked it up. And then uh, I left it there overnight. And then it rained. Somebody took my tarp, which is my fault for leaving it there and not having it on the bike. So now the bike is upstairs in the apartment building. Where was the tarp? It wasn't on the bike? No, because I had parked it on the street and I didn't put it back on the bike. And I had it folded up and stuffed like in between these two metal bars, which usually it's fine. When I take the bike out, I come back. It's there, but I left it there for a couple days, and I'm sure some person who could use some shelter probably took it, which is fine. Yeah. I can get another one. There's only like $7 at the hardware store, so. Oh, okay. But for now, I just have the bike upstairs parked in the apartment building, and it's nice and safe, and I had a friend come visit me yesterday, and he helped me bring it upstairs, so. Uh, I don't, oh, that's cool. I don't think I'll be riding it in the next couple days anyway. Not in that weather. It's not raining, though, is it? Uh, well, it started yesterday. It was, I think, this morning a little bit. It's not right now, but I think it's supposed to rain more. I don't know. I haven't even looked at the weather. I have no idea. Very quickly here, I could look at Ashland, Oregon weather and tell you uh, it's 36 degrees now. Ugh. It's supposed to rain and snow today, snow tomorrow, and then... In Ashland? Well, that's what it says. Okay. I don't know. But you know what I like about the snow? What? Nothing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I hate cold weather. You're such a West Coast guy, man. Um, I am. I don't like cold weather. It's that time of year. Yeah. How you feeling? 
I'm feeling pretty good. Mom's feeling pretty good. Oh, good. No complaints. I don't think I've heard those words used about both of you at the same time for a couple of months, maybe. Well, because your damn food is going all over the place. Well, at least it didn't kill I mean, you like other people. Yeah, that's true. So what else is that? How are the kids? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. You don't know? I, you haven't talked to him? Well, very little. I haven't talked to Zoe. I, I spoke to Sam a little bit. He got sick the day after his match this past week. And so he had some kind of stomach thing. And we're supposed to get together today, but I don't I don't bank on it. We'll see. And, uh, yeah. you know, Zoe and I have the occasional text. I told her I need to get my camera back. Somebody's hiring me to do a portrait on Wednesday. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, I discovered how to make, like, a poor man's vegan... Is it vegan? Yeah, vegan chicken soup. Yeah, that's where you hang a chicken in, in the window and the reflection goes in the pot of water, right? <laughs> no, that's very funny. I've never heard that, but no, that's not <laughs> no, it. No, we're doing it. No, you take these what? two products. They're actually Thai noodle, you know, like ramen that you can buy in a package with the little seasoning and all yeah. that. So I bought two. One is onion and one was like seasoned vegetables. I mixed them together and I added some carrots and some sliced daikon radish, and a handful of spinach, and a little bit of Bragg's uh, amino acids, which is like a soy sauce substitute. It's a little healthier for you. And cooked it all together and ate it, and I took that first bite, and it was like grandma or mom's chicken soup, just like chicken soup. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So I have a good show coming up. I had my first international call to the UK to uh, Sophie Barker, amazingly talented uh, young woman. That was really cool. And then uh, I've got this friend, Jasmine Patton. She's a local woman who's doing life coaching for women. And that's it. Oh, that'd be great. That's all I got going on, man. Just living the dream out here in Ashland, Oregon. Oh, that's good. As long as you're happy and healthy. I think I'm. Your bills paid. I don't know how I'm doing it, but all those things are happening. Have fun at, at the opera today. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I hope you, <laughs> I hope you don't fall asleep and drool on okay. somebody below you. Okay, we'll see you later. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Hi, mom. Hi, honey. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Did you just get out of the bath? A little bit ago. Enough time to sit down and have something to eat before we leave. You're going to the opera. Yeah, we're going to the L.A. Opera. And what are you going to see? We're going to see Candide. Spell that. C-A-N-D-I-D-E. Oh, what is that? I think that Leonard Bernstein did it, but I could be wrong. Huh. I didn't read up on it before, but I think it's a light thing. Okay. And it's the, it's the last of my series, so I didn't want to miss it. And it's going to be where? At the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Oh, yeah. Dad said yeah. you guys were going downtown to see some opera. Do you ever talk to anybody while you're in the bathtub? Always. Oh, you always talk to people while you're in the bathtub? Almost always. Not always. Do they know? Some do. Huh. When I'm swimming. What? When I'm swimming in the bath, then I tell them. Your bathtub is not that big. It's not. No. I, I don't know, unless maybe you get really small like Steve Martin, and then you that can swim said, around. I shrink. Oh, yeah, he said that. I told him that you were a light-skinned California raisin from being in there so Oh, long. I thought you said a prune. No, I said a California raisin, only because you're in California. Oh, that was nicer. But the California raisins were black, like ra- or great purple, whatever the color raisins are. 
When they did, uh, I heard it through the grapevine, they did that campaign for California raisins and they had the dancing raisins. Remember that? Sure, I remember that. Uh-huh, weren't, I do. Weren't the raisins all black? Weren't they inferred that they were black? I don't remember that, Mark. Okay. Because I know raisins are also yellow. Yeah, but they weren't yellow in this commercial. They were black, dark, whatever the color raisins are, almost blackish. I don't remember. Purplish I, thing. I heard it in the grapevine. Uh, I didn't see it. Ah, you heard it in the grapevine. You didn't hear it through the grapevine. You you were actually in the right. grapevine. I was in line with them. You were in line with them. So you guys are leaving in about a half hour or so? No, in about seven minutes. Oh. I'm going to leave at a quarter of 12. Okay, yeah. It's 1137 right now. Well, that sounds like a fun way to start your day. Yeah, and uh, I listened to the radio program most of it, not all of it. Which one? The one I was on. Oh, yeah. Well, you heard you because you're in the beginning then. Right. Yeah. What'd you think of that? So, that's weird. Well, you got... you're great. You're really good. You have a huge amount of passion in you. Hmm. Thanks for noticing, you know? Mom. Yes, you do. I do. Oh, someone's at the door. Okay. Bye, Mom. Love you. Have a good time today. Thank you. I love you, too. Bye. Hello. Hey. It works. Hi. Exciting. Technology actually oh works, God. man. Thank goodness for that. You'd think with all this modern age, it wouldn't be that difficult. Well, you know, it's pretty amazing that in this modern age, we have all these different ways to make this work. They couldn't do this 20 years ago. That is very true. That That is the positive spin on everything. Well... Sophie Barker, it's it's really nice to be talking to you and and uh, and that we did figure out how to make this work. I didn't panic because <laughs> I know where there's a will, there's a way, and it's just so fascinating that when technology is kind of destroying us culturally in many ways, it's still one of the greatest things we have. It's pretty outrageous. It is, and but I think also I think everything is a balance, basically. Uh, I think that, that all of this information is there for us to try and find a way to use it for the better good of everybody. And we're just beginning to find our way, aren't we, really? I, I think that's exactly correct. And I am not one who is an optimist, but I, I label myself, if I'm going to label myself something, as a hopefulist. Because I know we can right. obviously do this much, much better and more thoughtfully. And uh, we just haven't come to that crossroads yet of deciding that we're all worth it to each other. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. It's day of love, you know? Like, again, with there's lots of people who are like, oh, you know, oh, you know. I'm like, well, you know, if it's a day where you have to think about loving someone, that's not such a bad thing, is it? You know what I mean? It's like, I'd say that I am an optimist, but that does not mean without having had their struggles. So I've come to the conclusion that the way forward for me is I'm going to, not even put a spin on anything, but just through my experiences, it's led me on the only way is up, even when you've been down many, many, many times. <laughs> There's a song in that, but it is actually my brother's 20th birthday today, so I've just seen him and my family. And um, I think that I feel, for me, it's any opportunity to celebrate is a good thing. Even though I'm on my own and looking after a dog, I'm happy as, as I say, Larry, but I'm happy as Sophie. <laughs> are you are you happy as a clam? Is is your dog your Valentine's <laughs> date for the day? 
Well, she's. Um, I'm looking after her, and she's actually just chewed up the only card that was valuable to me that I bought yesterday because she gets a bit annoyed if I go out for an hour. Ah. And so um, she totally destroyed this beautiful three-dimensional unicorn, a card that I bought for my niece's third birthday. So I was a bit like, oh, come on. I was only out for an hour. So there you go. <laughs> like, I suppose, all human beings, or different creatures, rather, I suppose some of us express our frustration of being left alone in different ways. That's true. And, you know, I think that, uh, and I've, I've spoken with other people about this, the dog love seems to be the purest form of love. I mean, unless you kick that dog every day, that dog is so excited when you get home. Mm-hmm. And, and like you just said, so upset when you leave because there's such an unconditional bond between us and those animals and I think it's actually something for us to aspire to, but we're not really paying attention to that. Yeah, it is actually. It is, it's quite a true truism as well. And I do love dogs. I, I, I would like to be um, in a more sort of stable situation, as in not away a lot, to have a dog. But it's that thing with consistency. Again, you know, I think also with, you know, having families and friends, you know, having that consistency of love and foundation and trust comes from being around rather than hopping here, hopping there, which at the moment I'm still doing. But I, I, lo- I think that I love dogs. I love walking as well, and I love walking dogs, and I end up loving walking lots of my friends' dogs. So I'm very lucky to have that um, opportunity in my life, even though I'm not probably in the best place right now to have a dog, especially in London in the city. For me, that's not quite the right place to have a dog. But that's just, that's just my personal opinion. And I'm sure the dog appreciates you enough in the time that, that she gets with you. What What is her option? I mean, I, they have to kind of accept us for who we are, too, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's a, yes, I suppose they do. And But, you know, I suppose it's that thing again with children and dogs, because I love both very much. Um, don't have either. But I spend a lot of time with dogs and children. I think it's that thing of you, you do have to consider that you, you have got this other person in your life and you, you, you have there's a balance. Again, I think everything in life, as they say in Greek, is metrio, which is the measure. It's a measurement, a wonderful balance between things. And that's that's the thing with children and dogs really, I suppose. And probably boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, at some stage. It's the whole relational thing. I mean, between us and the plants and the animals, the whole thing. I mean, nothing is not related. The fact that anybody could even possibly come to a notion that this thing is not all connected, even by the mere fact that we're all on the exact same piece of real estate. I mean, it's not even a metaphysical or a a spiritual or even scientific. We're literally standing on the same ground. I mean, it's undeniable, of course. Absolutely. It's interesting that you use the word measure. Because, of course, measure is also uh, a term used in music, which you do those things, I know. Um, (laughs) And what is a measure exactly in music? Well, I suppose the the measure will be part of um, the the right, you know, like the the quavers, the crotchet, the measure of the, the met. The measurement of music, which is, the, you know, I don't even know what the actual meaning of it is, because it's, it will be the theory of music, but it is a musical term indeed. And I'm feeling rather silly that I don't know exactly what it means in the Oxford Dictionary right now. But, um, but I suppose in terms of what it means of balance and measurement and putting things together, which music is, and also the mathematical term of it, 
is that there's a sort of, you know, a bringing together of things where there's a, a harmonies and, and, and all, which is all, all within music. I, I'm, again, I'm slightly speaking off the top of my head here, just in terms of words. I'm not really a, a music theorist. I never quite did my grade five theory, which I should have done. But uh, you might be able to enlighten me on this, actually. Not unless I Google it, and I can certainly do that. And here it is. Actually, it goes right to the word bar, B-A-R. Ah, okay, yes, the crotchet's quave, it's the bar. And it says, a bar or measure is used in writing music. It is a way of organizing the written music in small sections. Each bar is a small Ah. amount of time. Most music has a regular beat or pulse, which can be felt. Each bar usually has the same number of beats in it. Music that feels like one, two, yeah. three, four, one, two, three, four will be divided into bars with four beats worth of music in each bar. There we go, the measure. But it's pretty fascinating, too, that that kind of emulates human beings, that we are essentially yeah, definitely. music, and we have our sections of uh, the different parts of our system, and our heartbeat, of course and how similar we are and you know we're independently orchestrated of course and i've never actually used that term before i think that's pretty wild <laughs> and we do music really well but we don't do us together really well and that seems to be the missing component is like independently we are such creative amazing individuals but we haven't figured out how to make music together yet we can do it independently so brilliantly and we can do it in small groups called bands, but uh, we haven't seemed to figure out how to get together and make the ultimate music, which seems to be not like an end game, but definitely uh, something that we would strive for is being able to make beautiful music together. I completely hear what you're saying. I think, again, I think with human beings, I think it's the way we're approaching our what our, our, you know, again, saying purpose, I mean, you can just say we're just here on the earth. I, I personally think we're part of a process. And um, if we, you know, I know there's so much about mindfulness and ego and all, but if, if, if we were to just slightly maybe not separate us from saying we're just human beings rather than creatures, because we are creatures of different types as well. We're made up of many, many different things. And I think sometimes the human beingness or the humanness of it kind of separates us where we start thinking that we are this when in fact we are part of all of it, which is physics, you know, that we are part of everything. I think if we were to, it's so difficult to even strip it down. I think music, as you correctly have said, it is a form by which the education or understanding of bringing people together in a very pure sense is a massive avenue to help do that. And, um, Maybe the, the, the point I'm trying to say is that where music is should really be spearheading and the people who are in the music business or of the business of making music, maybe they need to, to be coming forward more, you know, more. And the creative people in this world need to be coming forward more rather than what we see as these systems that don't seem to work um, in, in allowing people to be able to express themselves, which I think it is doing slowly but surely. I mean, I get admit, music at the moment is very difficult for us artists because it's basically free for everybody. But maybe by that happening, there's a foundation of truth in that because there's no agenda attached to it. It's very pure. Maybe by that spreading more and more and more, it might enable more people to involve themselves in gatherings and making music, which 
it's a different form of education, but I think it's quite a fundamental one for the future. I don't know, maybe this is uh, where us artists are realising our responsibility in the world. It's about what you create and it's not about what you own, which is where it's changing now, slowly but surely. Well, I, I agree. And I think actually the whole monetizing thing is the problem because it's uh, a perceived value. And of course, everybody has yeah. value and everybody can make music. And, you know, when you hear people that say, yeah, I'm not creative, uh, it's so sad to me because they just haven't discovered that they are. How could any human being like not be creative just because you're an accountant sitting in a cubicle with some really shitty lighting doesn't mean that deep inside mm. you beats the drum, that the music is there, that the art is there, and it's just never been exposed to the light of day, which is probably the saddest statement on earth, is that people do not find their music. Even Alan Watts said, and I actually apologized to my ex-wife uh, maybe recently, I used to get on her because uh, her voice was not in tune, shall we say. And she would often walk around the house yeah. singing, and I would make some shitty comment about, and jokingly, of course, but uh, a, not a thoughtful response to her expressing herself. And that was one of the things Alan Watts said, is everybody should be singing and no one should be judging a note. Absolutely. And, and then we all share something, because this is part of the shared experiences. We all have this capability of expression, and we label ourselves as introverts or all these other things that kind of close us up and compartmentalize us and, and, and make us afraid, really. I think it's the fear factor. Make us afraid to mm. do what is natural to us, which is sing and dance in the streets and run around and be kids, you know, and just have fun and, and really enjoy this once-in-a-lifetime experience. But uh, I think that might be part of our overall suffering as a species is our inability to really fully take on the experience. Yes, I, 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 I but I, I, yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying, except I have to say that I'm really experiencing changes and things that I, you know, I, I feel um, just in my experience and my time on this, this particular planet that, you know, um, it's, it's beginning to change. I'm, I'm beginning to see, in a lot of the young, young people that I'm meeting, you know, they, there is, it, it's harder in a lot of ways, but at the same time, there's, it seems to me that there's a lot more people, especially the younger generations, who they've got nothing to lose right now except that we've got to save the, 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 you know, the earth you know, and that we've got to do something about it. And it kind of seems to be leaning towards them to, of the responsibility. And I, I'm feeling that I definitely have seen a lot more people getting into music even knowing that there isn't much money in it. And they are doing it for the love of it because it makes them happy. And that, that many more people are realizing that it is, it is not about a nine-five job. It is about flow. I, I know that sounds a really weird thing to say, but more people are beginning to understand what living in the moment means. Is it is the journey rather than this, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get that, and that's that, and that's that. It doesn't really work like that, and it's never really worked. That. And we're definitely more people are aligning with that. I mean, there's a lot of people who aren't, but the fact that more people are is a positive movement in that direction, allowing more people to live their lives as they want to. You know, you don't have to have kids if you don't want to. You don't have to have that big car and you don't have that big house or you can have that. What I mean is it's a co-creation that I think slowly but surely is coming about. And I, I've been, this year particularly, I've been quite sort of, heartened by it you know sort of makes me sort of wow actually there, there's a lot more I don't I don't even know what the words are but maybe it's 
I'm just seeing more of that in people, more empathy again coming back, more care, more attention, people really wanting the best for other people. And I, that, anyway, that's where I've sort of been, I've been feeling that actually a lot more. I feel the same way. I mean, I may sound a little pessimistic. I'm really not. I have a 14-year-old boy, turned 14 a couple days ago. And, uh, Happy birthday. Yeah. And my daughter is 17. And I'm their father, Luke. So they are getting things from me that, one, they won't get anywhere else. Even conversations like you and I are having now. I don't know that a lot of those conversations are being uh, had with children. And they're the ones actually we need to be talking to just like this to get them excited about the possibility. But two, like, you know, I know people are getting on a guitar and they're getting on YouTube and they're playing their music and they're not thinking about money. And just like me doing this podcast, I do it because I love it. I do it because I want to talk to people because I want to engage because I want to be part of the movement of expression without an end result. Every time you try and put an end result on, you know, they say God laughs at your plans because, you know, (laughs) the rug can be pulled out from under you at any given time. It has nothing to do with you personally, but, you know, when it's over, it's over. So I say just do it, whatever it is that you love, as if you're getting paid a million dollars a year and it's the only thing you want to do and you have such passion around it that your life would not even be correct if you didn't do it. And I do think that we're coming around to that. And because of technology, Mm. this expression Mm. has blown up like crazy. It's amazing. You talk about flow. I think we're kind of in this weird creative ebb right now where we're like in between Mm. previous times when music and other ventures were done at a super high level. And I do feel it's a little Mm. flat right now for us, but of course it's temporary. And that really amazing, interesting, fascinating stuff is on the horizon. And even in my last show, I talked about something I discovered. It was a video called The Third Industrial Revolution. And this cat named Jeremy Mm -hmm. Rifkin, he's in Germany right now. And because Germany is at the forefront of all of uh, our industrial revolutions, they're going to be the first ones to completely convert over to the digital age. And he's spearheading this thing, and he's doing it in China, too. So there's a lot of incredible possibility Mm. in the midst of all our dire stuff, which is balance, right? We live in such polarities, which is, of course, our own doing or undoing. We do the worst, heinous shit you can possibly imagine. And then on the other hand, Mm. we do some of the most beautiful, amazing things we could possibly imagine. So Mm. I guess what we're doing is as we get closer to the middle of reasonability, things will just operate easier for us. And that's just a matter of, in my opinion, having a mutual appreciation, not even tolerance. Tolerance is not going to do it. You have to literally love your brother and sister knowing that we are all the same shit trying to do things and nobody's any better, but all these labels and identifiers that we've imposed on each other has just pushed us so further away from each other. But look, I can talk to you in another country, which is so fascinating, and and create a relationship on the fly, man. I mean, I don't know you, we've never met, but I can just get on the phone with you and say hello and figure out who you are, and you can do the same. And to me, we are on the cusp, on the threshold of some really killer shit. I just hope we make it really is the bottom line. I hope we have enough time mm. to execute the thing that'll take us 
uh, into the next thing. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. I, I, I do. I, I can't. Uh, the time thing is definitely. I think that the, with that in mind is that, you know, we can't force people to be anything but what they're going to be, regardless of even if they're not being who they want to be. Right. I think the, the thing that, I, you know, you, you, all you can do is live by your highest knowledge and understanding and love and empathy and it's always every day letting things go as well you know i mean it's even the most the luck the luckiest people in the world you know who've been given education and love and home and everything you know many of them still struggle weirdly um but it but you know we we have to i think it's it is definitely looking at what you know what we've been given and so even we do struggle with the luck on our shoulders it's just remembering for some reason some of us have been given great insight i don't even again it's, it's wordless it's sort of almost a telepathy but i suppose the deep thing is understanding and love and empathy and if you've been given any of those tools those are the things to to give it out as much as possible and 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 share that you know share that with people because you know so many people don't see the hope or the light and it is there and it, it's by the way it's not without you know, as I said, you know, the thing in, in life is we're going to lose people that we love, you know, and, and probably the, the greatest thing that we have to deal with is losing, you know, people that we love in, in terms of them dying. You know, for me, that's the thing that I, I, you know, for me in my life, I'm having to, I suppose that's the biggest thing in my life. So I, I just am like, okay, so if that's what we know is going to happen, we might as well be the best that we can. And everything that you do put... I suppose I think that, you know, the Buddhist term is about everything that you do, whether it's making a cup of tea or, you know, sweeping the floor, is put love into it, you know, rather than like, oh, I've got to do that, put love into it so that everything you do, there's an attention and a care, if you can, you know, not everybody can, and not everybody has the time. But I, I think that with that, you then begin to sort of, you know, appreciate everything in life, you know, when you have a a hot bath you know wow that's amazing or the fact that you have got a nice cup of tea or you've got 10 minutes to look at a book i don't know that, that sounds really simplistic but maybe it is about the simple things in life literally the simple things and coming back to that and the gratitude um which i realized for me i'm so super lucky to be here at this time as a, a musician a singer i love what i do and and i, I it's okay that i'm not making millions and I'm not a superstar or whatever, I'm still making music after, you know, nearly 30 years and I'm loving it more than ever. So I, that's kind of what I've learned through my journey, which at times has been incredibly frustrating. Obviously, there's been ups and downs. But I come to this point now, you know, and I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. And the more that I see that, it's amazing. The, the I know that sounds a strange thing to say, but the abundance around you, just like it's there it's the weirdest thing it's not even that weird but it's just there so i'm i'm very lucky and i'd like to share that with other people well i think we need to learn how to identify that we are lucky and because the world is so ignorant and uneducated we don't have the proper glasses to see through and so if you're mm -hmm. not if you're not taught how to identify and understand mm. and appreciate and even understand the concept of gratitude, it's not just going to come. Our responsibility to each other is to inform each other so we're all at the same level 
of competency, at mm. least with information, and then we can certainly make better decisions. They cannot know what they need to know until they know what they need to know. And you can't do it any other yeah. way. There is no other way to do it. It all fundamentally starts with education, training. I've told my kids, if, yes. we, if we took so, the same amount does. of energy and resources that we, in futility, on training people to kill other people and take over and conquer, mm -hmm. and we just turn that dial of perception a little bit and took all those resources and taught everybody how to love and be with each other and function at a high level. Yeah. I can't even imagine what this planet would look like, to be honest with you. I mean, my kids know that we could be traveling 5 million miles an hour by now if we could just come to some agreements oh, yeah. that were um, all worth it. <laughs> I, 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 I totally agree with everything you said. And, in, and, and, and I'd say that from a very young age, I'm like, I want to help the world and save the world. And I realized that, you know, that was such a big thing to do. And then you realize that if you just take a step back in your micro, when I say, when I, I think the possibility is when you put it into a micro that then affects the macro. So if you are looking too far ahead of yourself to something that's not even your necessary reality, then it's going to seem impossible. Whereas within your reality, and we all have different realities, if you begin to actually live that way, it does begin to affect the things around you. And like I, I know for myself, because I have a whole collection of music for children, which I've had on Sony for 14 years this year, and I'm about to release the next one in May. And my whole foundation is based on music for children and bringing love and light to that it's, and, and growing it for educational purposes, which is my big passion. Um, and, and through that is eventually being able to help with schools and, and for children, things for children, because they are the future. But that is how I'm going to do it my way. And I suppose it's finding out what you, what your, your ability is in, to help that in your immediate surrounding. Because once you start doing that, it really does have a, a contagious effect. I heard this amazing, um, it was actually on Radio 4, and it was a program on addiction, actually. And they said, for the addict, in order to get better, it, they need the contagion of hope. And I just thought that was such a beautiful word, um, because most people think contagious is, ah, it's contagious, but, you know, not, not necessarily, but in a lot of ways, it can be, like, oh, it's like a virus. But, you know, if we were to make it, uh, you know, a viral of hope, I think that, helps people and and we can do it in our small ways and that's when i think it really affects the the micro affects the macro rather than oh the people out there da, 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 the government this is yes we know that that's all not great at all but if we were to go bring it back inside ourselves and really work on that and start to pu push it out from ourselves of, of, of the way that we relate to everybody around us i feel that that might have a more powerful effect than always looking outside of ourselves. I don't know, that's kind of how I've been trying to work it out in my own little tiny way. But I, I'm, I hope, <laughs> hope, I hope that, that that might have, you know, begin to, to work. It is working. I mean, what you're doing, what I'm doing, I mean, our generation, my generation, definitely is, is the one that points fingers and, and is, uh, is good at blame good at, at calling it out for other people and not taking anything on. But I definitely see that my children's generation are not going to play that game. 
they already see the bullshit on mm -hmm. the wall. It's very cartoon-like here in the States. Yeah. It's so surreal. And I, I've explained to people, you're not even that. seeing that this dude has unwittingly taken on the job of the Buddhist teacher to show us how shitty we've become and that he's just the worst parts of all of us and to not demonize mm -hmm. him but really examine him so we can improve the situation, which means improve mm -hmm. ourselves, stop looking outside, look inside to find out yeah. why things are the way they are. And, and again, I don't think our kids and the grandkids are going to be doing that. They're just going to say, fuck all this. We're going to do the right thing. My daughter is sickened by humanity. For years, she could barely look people in the eye because she just knows how rotten we can be. It's really yeah. embarrassing sometimes to be a human being, being associated yeah. Yeah. with people that are just so short-sighted. But again, I, yeah. I have compassion for all these people because they don't know what they're missing. They don't know this bliss and this happiness and, and all this amazingness. So I have to feel sorry for them because they're so fucking miserable and, and it's sort of not their fault. And so I can't blame them for not knowing what they don't know. How can I get mad at someone for not knowing yeah. that they're having a shitty time? All right, we, we fixed the world. That's done. Let's move on to you now. That's all taken care of. That only took like 20 minutes. That's not bad. Does the interview begin now? Hey, everybody. Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 32. Got a lot of stuff today. Two wonderful women. One who I've known for a little bit here in, in Ashland, Jasmine Patton. Jasmine is a uh, beautiful woman and uh, cares deeply and has taken on this responsibility to help women specifically navigate through their experience with a little more self-care, uh, more reasonability, and uh, that's very cool. Super glad to have her here. Uh, also, uh, a first-time experience on the Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg show. We will be taking uh, an international step forward into communications. We will be talking to Sophie Barker in the UK. Sophie is an extremely talented singer-songwriter, very passionate about life. And uh, here we are. I get to do it another week. I cannot be all that much happier than I am right now doing what I'm doing right now. And this is all about right now, because right now it has to be as good as it gets. You have the luxury right now of taking some time to listen to this show, because you have to take care of you first, man. When you're in the airplane and they do that demo, put the oxygen mask on you first. Then you can help other people. If you cannot be well yourself, it'll be very difficult for you to assist and aid other people in being well. So be well, and the best way to be well is gratitude, man. It's the only attitude. Gratitude. It will totally set you free. It is guaranteed, 100%. You cannot be thinking about what you're grateful for and have that polarity of being unhappy and or uh, wanting. Because when you think about what you have, and anybody who's listening to this show, I'm going to guess, probably has more than most human beings on the planet. And for me to sit in my beautiful little apartment, looking down upon this quaint town of Ashland, Oregon, 
with uh, little snow flurries happening and my stomach is full. I have a full stomach. I have heat. I have friends. I have my children. I have everything. I have everything. And even if you take the thing part of it away, I still have every. Things are not that important, but I have every. That's what I need. That's what we need is just every. We don't need the things, just every. And we have everything else when we don't have the things. We still have the every without the thing. So again, I get to do this one more week. It's one week at a time, one step at a time. If you do your steps, you cannot not go someplace by taking steps. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Here we go. Where in England are you? I am in uh, northwest London at the moment. I actually live, I'm in West London, and I've been here in West London for 21 years. And I, it's kind of in between, it's a little heart that touches, it's very close to Portobello Market. And um, I don't know if you've heard of the famous Portobello Market, but it's very close to there. Okay, no, I haven't. Rich Reese has worked with you. Yeah. He's a dear friend of mine here in Ashland, Oregon, and... And recently we've uh, kind of reconnected. He kind of bounces in and out of town based on how bored he is. And uh, recently he's come back and, and I've been full force into the show and he's kind of digging what I'm doing. And he's been turning me on to uh, some pretty amazing people uh, to talk to on the show. You uh, being, of course, on this list of people. And so what did you guys do musically together? Well, actually, that's a magical moment in that when I was putting my, my, my own band together, which one of my guitarists, Yule Desai, basically knew Rich because he'd been coming out to America. And I had a chat with him. And Rich basically was the wonderful man who did my first American tour together ah. in 2012. And we've done three, actually, with him now. One in 2012, two. Actually, I think we came out in the April and then went out again in the November. And then in 2013, and that's the connection for budding friendship through music. My tour manager and obviously now my friend. Awesome. He's my lead into all these amazing people in the music business. And he's the most vegan person I've ever met. And an amazing cook. Amazing cook. The guy is so good with food. I wish he would open a restaurant here in town so I have a place to eat because vegans just don't have a lot of options. Sounds delicious, those non-meat burgers. And I wish I could just teleport myself right over your way now. I have been to Ashland and it was absolutely gorgeous. And, um, and I've had sampled his delicious food. And I really look forward to coming back again, actually, because I, I really into, I loved touring in America. One thing I did find was that the Americans, they love their music. They're fantastic with the musicians, actually. I, I really have loved it, and I really look forward to coming back and playing some more one day. Well, we look forward to you coming back, because I want to see you perform here. And you were actually here in what year? Was that when you were here in 2012? 2012 and 2013. So it's been some time. I can't believe it's five years now. And it was, it was such fantastic experiences. I, I loved it so much. And I love touring. I love, I really love moving about, meeting new people, playing in different places. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a true artist gypsy. You know, I really am. I, I'm, I'm a bit nomadic in that way. And of course, you know, for music or for any art, or creative, you know, it is the experience. And if you don't keep meeting people and learning about things, you, you know, you're not going to have anything to 
sing about or you know or you know express actually so um, so for me it's I realize that's probably why I've never really settled um, because I don't don't know if I will, ever will really settle and that's kind of all right actually as long as I've got a base I love hopping up from you know toing and throwing and coming back to my base but I don't know if I can ever just be in one place for a very very long time yeah no I get that I totally get that interesting thing I've read about you is that you're probably one of the most underappreciated performers in the world. I, I see all these comments about how wonderful a musician, singer, songwriter you are, and that how come not everybody knows about you? And uh, it really shows how connected you are to what, what it is that you do. And uh, you've been killing it for a long time now. Thank you, and that's a very lovely thing to hear. It's always wonderful to feel that people, um, you know, love the music, you know, as I do. And I, I think, I, you know, I've, I've, I've obviously there have been at times, and I've, how do I get the music out there more? How do I get it to be heard more? But I realised that, I mean, I think that was another thing, is that I've also seen, you know, maybe just through seeing, there's been, there's been various experiences in my life from, when, from my first deal when I was 25, and the experience of that, where I, I think there was an opportunity and there was a crossroads that I could go down that avenue and I'd be very unhappy but maybe very successful because it wasn't an organic thing. And then I, I, I saw that, okay, this might be a little bit more, you know, not, not so organic. This might be, a, I don't even know how to describe it because it, I feel like I was actually guided. And even through the ups and the downs, it, you know, going, if I'd stuck with the first thing when I was 25, I wouldn't have done the zero seven thing, which was where I really think that the true sense of what I, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time, but whatever it is, it's communicating is coming out. And I think, you know, confidence is an interesting thing in music because it, it, I realized it with everything, um, you know, when you're channeling whatever it is that you're channeling, you know, you do have to be very grounded with it because it's suddenly you get these, these things just come into your head and you're like, oh my God, and that just, it just comes out like, you don't know where it's coming from, um, but then you've got to, you know, then you've got to ground it, and then you've got to figure out what it, what it is you're doing with it. And I think that's taken me a little bit of time to realise that because I am a bit of a, you know, I do like to move about quite a bit. That if it was just one thing and mega success, I, I, I think that I just, I feel so stuck in that. If I had to suddenly be this thing and wear these weird clothes and, you know, I, I think my nature would probably freak out. And so I think I've sort of weirdly subconsciously chosen to just do lots of different projects and they will somehow meet in the middle you know that, that people are listening and it is out there and I've, I've been amazed at how I am supported financially by doing that and the more that I have faith in I know that sounds faith not religious faith but just you know faith in the, the, whatever it is where I'm going to I feel that, yeah, I feel that I'm really supported in that. And it's, it's really lovely when people send messages because I don't, I do, of course, as we all do, some of us go, oh, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. And am I, you know, some of us think, because I'm not massive, I'm not, you know, you can get that, I'm not an artist or I'm this. But I realise, no, you are, and this is what you're doing, and this is where it's at. And I found a real peace with where I'm at right now. So it's allowed me a freedom to just keep writing, keep singing, keep magicking all those situations, get out there and do shows and get people together. I'm really loving it now. I'm just, I've, I think I've just let go of certain things that just weren't working. And, and, and now where I'm at, I'm at. And I, who knows where that's going to take me. 
but I tell you, I've got another million souls in me, and I look forward to carrying on with it until my late, I was going to say my late teens, <laughs> but um, my, <laughs> my, my late years. Yeah. I, too, uh, later in my life, am so appreciative of the unlimited download. I mean, this is something we have to teach people, too, is you use the word flow, and if you get out of the way and allow things to happen, it's pretty incredible. I mean, all the shit that's coming out of my mouth, it's not something I'm thinking about. It's not me talking anyway. Just like it's not you singing. I mean, you're <laughs> singing, you're the instrument, and I'm the instrument of what I'm doing, but I know it's not me. I totally trust that whatever I'm being given is what's supposed to be coming out of my mouth. And I just have to, like you say, be grounded with it, wait for it, and then do something appropriate with it and uh, represent yeah. it, whatever yeah. that is. But uh, I know it's not me, man. And I think as soon as we are humble to the fact that this is a collaborative experience, this is not just me yeah. talking. It's not just you singing. And you can label it God or whatever, yeah. the unknowable, unspeakable. But as soon as we all kind of get out of the way and allow the inspiration, whatever this spark, whatever this thing is that we get to do, yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. how much creativity will be blowing up on this planet. I completely agree, because I, I, I am a conduit. I'm a vessel. I have no idea where this stream is. We are... We're a stream of consciousness in a physical body, and and I really feel that. And I and and more that I've understood that that I am just part of the process. That I want to, I or it wants to do the best it can while it's alive in this physical body on this earth. And and that's where I've come to in a way that's really freed me because I'm like, you know what? I don't mind if I'm you know doing this job, that job to pay the rent. And I, I'm free, you know. I I feel free and. I mean, and I don't say that lightly, by the way, and I'm not say, I'm saying that with, you know, humility. And the, I'm, I'm, as I keep saying, I feel blessed and lucky. And that does not mean I don't have difficult days, but I, I look at what I have got and I'm like, I'm going to work with that. And my goodness, there's a lot to work with. And so therefore, I, that's kind of where I'm at now. And I'm actually really, really excited about it because... Everything's just, as you use the, the term, the limitless download. It's like it is. It's limitless. So we have to look after our physical bodies as well with that, obviously. That's yeah. another thing of why it's a benefit to be physically healthy because, obviously, we're not immortal. You know, with, in my late years, I want to be as healthy as I can be so I can sing. Right. I have the energy. So you grew up in the 70s in London, correct? Did, I did. I was born in 1971. Are you a Scorpio? Does that still put you in the Scorpio I thing? Am, yeah, November the 5th, 1971. I'm a Scorpio too. I'm November 19th, but I'm 10 years older than you. I may not look it through this <laughs> telephone call, but I am definitely <laughs> 10 years older than you. So what was it like in London as you were growing up? What was the scene going on over there? Um, actually, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, I mean, I, I loved it. I had a really great childhood in London. It felt, I, I, I felt very free, actually. And, um, you know, I was living with my mum and my sister. And, uh, you know, obviously there are things that happen in families, whatever. My parents were divorced and all of that. But, but as far as that goes, I, I felt like my imagination was allowed to be. And also, from quite a young age, I never felt that my parents, restricted my sister and I in our artistic endeavours. 
it wasn't like, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to be this. It, we kind of were allowed to be as natural, organic as possible. And that definitely aided the more unconventional way of being. And my mum mom being a single mum, and she was a, you know, independent woman, you know, all of that sort of was an interesting time as well. In the 70s, very interesting time, because suddenly come 75, the whole electronic, you know, the tech, technological world really started happening. So uh, we, we were sort of in between. I didn't quite, you know, we didn't quite get the computery thing, but it was a bit of a mixture. And I think I know that there were a lot of political things going on, but I was a little bit too young to really understand that. I do remember having a lot of lovely friends and a, and a really good time. I think when I got to 11, there were a few moments where that was a bit worse. But before then, I think I had a great time. When did your parents split up? How old were you? I was four years old and my sister was one, so quite little. Is your sister older or younger than you? She's three years younger than I. Okay. But I now have a oh. brother from my father's side who's just turned 20. Oh, wow. He's the 14th of February. My sister's September the 11th and I'm November the 5th, which obviously Guy Fawkes in England is the um, fireworks thing. So we've all right. got these interesting first dates. What was your mom so doing for work? She was an interior designer when it was just starting out, and she was absolutely busy, a natural creative. She then uh, remarried, and she did a little bit then, but she sort of took on another couple of kids, and she did, I, I can't remember, maybe seven years of it, and then she sort of, sort of gave, it, gave it up and then looked after all of us. She is a very creative woman and amazing at that, but, I mean, you know, now, obviously, it's, it's a big business, but she was a very good mother, so she kind of decided not to go down the career path and carried on being a mom. Well, it's a very selfless job, of course, the most selfless job maybe on the indeed, planet. Indeed, and And indeed. were your parents musical at all? Well, my father, actually, yeah. He, um, he's brilliant at the guitar and loves singing, but... When he was younger, his mother said to him, if you want to do that, then you've got to get a job. So at 23, he became a, a chartered broker. But in the meantime, he was he's brilliant at the guitar and singing. And my brother now has um, finished a music production course, and he loves the guitar and writing songs. So it definitely is a, I mean, it's definitely a gene in the family. But, but weirdly, I am seeing more and more families where all the kids are musical. So, you know, I don't even know whether it's a gene or whether it's just, you know, strands of vibration that you pick up because there's more and more, many, many people that I know could sing and it's in their blood, you know. Yeah. So maybe it's just part of our, all of our universal, you know, or our planetarial sort of um, genes that um, some obviously discover maybe more organically. And as times go by, like now, because more people are going, what, we want to discover it, it's coming out more. Everybody can do something pretty amazing. They just don't necessarily figure it out in their lifetime, which is kind of tragic, frankly, that you don't get exposed to your own gift. Yeah. Well, that's maybe where um, those of us who have been lucky enough to have people, like I, I had that when I was 13 when I changed schools, and I had no idea that I could sing. And I had I, cho I chose to go have singing lessons a bit. Of, I just thought that would be fun. And she just went, I was 13, and she said, your voice is good enough to be an opera singer, and you need to decide now whether you want to go down that avenue. I would wow. never have known that I could sing, because no, even though we were singing in our family, it wasn't that, you know, when we were younger, it wasn't really like it is today, where suddenly you hear this voice, and parents like, oh my God, you know, it was more like, okay, you know, didn't really think about it. But that's when I really was, I was this amazing person, 
her my voice and went, you, you're a singer. And I think from that now, if I, you know, I've, I've, I have worked with a few children. I don't really do singing lessons conventions. I do more voice lessons, helping people find their sound. And it doesn't matter whether you're in tune or not. It's about finding your sound. And right. your sound is a very different thing to be, you know, ah, oh, forget that. You know, there's no point doing that. It's like literally listening to someone's voice and hearing, or even a note that they sing and hearing in the parts that are, are when I say missing, but the tones could you go through if you want to just use the base of the chakra. Right. You know, they all have different vibrations and they all link to different emotions. So I can literally hear someone's voice and I can hear whether it's the bass note that's missing, so something's going on in the bass or something in the head. And I can literally within an hour help them unblock that without even thinking about it, but through singing through it. And it's an amazing thing because that's when people begin to find their sound. And that's where confidence comes from. Right. And it doesn't, you don't have to be a singer. You know, you, you know, it's just about that, you know, finding that bass and then from the bass working up. And if the bass is missing, you help with the bass notes. You know, it's a very simple practice, which we can all do. You know, anyone can right. do it. Um, and so I think with that, I, I'm, I'm trying to put that into what I do as well with music. Um, and have done that little bit, but I'm not a teacher per se. Um, but I, I also hope that through singing, that that is also what I give out when I'm singing. And when you share that, then it encourages other people to do their thing too. And, and that's why it's very important to be brave and courageous because it's not a linear avenue. We know that it's not linear. Right. And there are many different perspectives. And, and it's very easy to be blindsided by lots of things that a lot of us have been. But, but, but I think the great thing with creative arts is that when you just sit back and, you know, either read a beautiful book or see an amazing film or listen to an incredible song, you know, you're taken to this other world where, you know, where that is another reality as well. You know, there are messages and information and that is, that is such a vital part of life, which we all, are allowed to experience and and hopefully those of us you know doing what we do we we've got to spearhead that for the future you know i really feel that even with music it's like even though sometimes i'm like okay you know i'm not it's hard to make it end meet sometimes but but i'm so lucky to be in that position so i'm like i'm gonna make the meet i'm gonna make those ends meet and, I, and this is what i'm doing it's right. how i'm gonna get out there I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and i'm gonna encourage as many young people to do that and i i through that, I hope I can. Um, and I've been around a while now, you know, and it's like, wow, I, I, I feel I've got my, not quite my gold badge, but, you know, I feel like I've, I've you know, I've earned through experience um, that I finally, you know, I, I, and I, I, I think that I'm trusting myself with what I'm saying, if that right. makes any sense. Yeah. And, and, I, and I really want to give that to anybody who, who might want to, you know, want some advice, you know, or just, you know, even on singing or just, anything you know i feel that i can give that now well you know that's it uh you've hit on a lot of things there but one that availability factor that you've made yourself available to people is so huge and and two to just kind of unlock pandora's box there and let people just let it out whatever that is in yeah. some way i mean keeping that stuff all buried down in there your whole life again is the ultimate suffering is this lack of expression and for you to yeah. nurture people and give them an opportunity to present whatever that is, is, uh, is really awesome. And, and you are a teacher. There's no doubt about it. You are a big time teacher. Speaking of being a teacher, how did you do in school? 
Well, I did quite well in school, actually. I um, never really had any problems. I think what happened was is that I got to university and I was I had a four-year degree course. And after two years, I I just didn't feel that I was, weirdly, I didn't feel I was learning enough. And I decided to defer my course. And I ended up managing a cafe. And from there, um, met various people and then got my first record deal, 25. And I never went back to university. I didn't finish that. So it's always been the music. So there are times when I'm like, okay, I love learning and I love all of that, but I didn't finish my degree. Um, which, you know, you know, sometimes you think, okay, that would have been a completely different path and I would have gone down, down that. But, uh, you know, but that I'm here now with the music and who knows, maybe one day I'll go back and study that thing or study that thing. But I'm always studying and I do, I do like the academic side of things. But I think that obviously whatever I'm doing now with a lot, with a, a stronger pool, Sometimes I'm I'm not not sure that I really had much decision over that in the end. I think it just it just I think when it's happening, it's happening. If that makes any sense, it just keeps happening. So you just keep going with it. And then when it's not happening, that might be a bit of time out, maybe reflection. Maybe it's not meant to happen anymore, or maybe it's just time out to to, to look at it again and go, no, I am really meant to be doing that. Which is kind of what's happened with music actually. So um, if I'm honest, with you, I didn't like school very much. I didn't like school. I found it really limiting, but I didn't find it difficult in terms of work and stuff. But I didn't didn't think it was enough. I didn't think the system was enough. Even at that age, at the young age, I was like, no, this is not, you know, it was just not satisfying enough. It was very limiting, actually. I did find it quite limiting, you know, when you're young and the teacher goes, what colour is the sky? And you're going, it's purple. And they go, no, it's blue. And I remember a teacher saying that to me and I'm thinking... Wow, you know, that's ridiculous, even at that age. But anyway, I, I'd like to think it's changing a bit today. But um, I really feel for young kids today because I have to say, I, I don't know how they deal with it. With all the information they've got at hand now and still with this really, you know, I mean, there's no flexibility. I often thought, you know, I don't have children and I, I was always worried if I did, how would I educate them? Because just from my experience of what's happening from when I was younger and now what's happening in the world, it was never enough. And I was thinking, well, what do I do? What do I do? And it stressed me out so much because I was like, I don't really want to put them in that. And I wouldn't, that's not what, you know, I literally was like, sometimes it's almost a relief not to have to think like that because it's not a relief not to have a child, but it's a relief because it's changing all the time. Yeah. You know, everything's changing. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I suppose, you know, maybe wonderful like your children you know they will create new systems and we need to support that we absolutely unequivocally need to support them strongly feel obviously yeah no that's good i feel the same way and i have two kids and uh i'm a romantic hopefulist i know what i know and because i know what i know and i'm just another fucking idiot in the world but i know enough to know that it doesn't have to be the way it is and that's enough to know If you know that, that you can do something else. So here's a cliche question for you. So growing up in in London in the 70s, who were your musical influences? Wow. So they range, I mean, there are so many, as you you know, from Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Diana Ross, Motown, massive Motown, weirdly. You know, Fleetwood Mac, a big one, and Bob Dylan and Joan Baez and... So there's so many. Right. I mean, 
Fleetwood Mac were quite a big one for me, but then Pink Floyd, and then but, but actually I've realised, and I'm literally about to put out my Spotify playlist tonight for the for the world on Valentine's, which came off the back of leaving my iPod on for six hours of its own shuffle, and I realised it's so eclectic the music, yeah. and I think it was it was because I am a, a songwriter and a singer and love music, and it just there wasn't really. Any one band, I go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I loved so many. I love right. It's like when someone said to you and I was studying history about who's your favourite painter. I don't have a favourite painter. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have many different painters. And they're all so different. And they're from different periods. They're from different times. One thing I can say, whatever the music, there was definitely a soul to it. But listening to Billie Holiday, late, you know, latest things are good. Her voice, whether it's listening to Landslide, Stevie Nicks, whether it's Stevie Wonder, you know, ads, whatever it was, the link is that all of these people and musicians, they are, their story is, re- there's something so, again, I hate the word real, but it's just, it's just raw and it's yeah. there and you can, it's a stream of consciousness and you hear it and you're going, Wow, wow, wow. Whether it's listening to Whitney Houston's voice. I mean, I, I learned how to sing, singing to Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibbs' uh, Guilty album. And Diana Ross. I used to play tennis a lot. I was a very good tennis player. I used to play against the wall and sing songs. And I taught myself when I was very young to sing before I was discovered that I could sing. And I created a little band called The Three Centigrade, which was my friend Vicky and my sister and I. And we basically sung all these Diana Ross songs and we gathered 30p each from the people for charity. And we kept, I think we got 90p and we kept 30p for sweets and we had 60p for charity. And I was about 10 years old. Funny going back, seeing the seeds of things that you have no idea that are there, but they are there. And they were very strong. It was really cool to hear Stevie Wonder's name first. He's such an unbelievable artist. Well, Still. He's, he's so Extraordinary. I have to have a dream that one day I'd sing with him. I, I also had a dream that I'd sing with George Michael, but unfortunately that was slightly capped a bit early because he's a. I'm, I'm part, partly Greek as well as he is, and I was like, I loved his voice. And the voice, it's the voice, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it's just, it's incredible. And 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 I that that's a, that was a massive soundtrack to my life as well. And the Motown, I love Motown, love it. Yeah, me too. I'm wondering if. Stevie literally had to give up his sight so he could be maybe one of the greatest singer-songwriters in the history of music. Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. He is, I mean, he's extraordinary. He's extraordinary. And um, and we're really lucky that, we, you know, we're so, I mean, I feel so lucky that, you know, we've got these people. I'm like, you know, wow. It's such profound encouragement for in life, you know, to put that on and you're like, oh my goodness, can't get caught up for too long because really nothing really matters that much you know it, it, it's and you listen to music and, and especially you know some of those people that i've mentioned i mean there's many 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 more I, i'm still blown away by them i'm like wow you know amazing and they stand the test of time like you i remember when my cousin debbie handed me stevie wonder's talking book amazing oh he is absolutely incredible um and uh, and i'm very glad that he's you know, he's, he's a life force, isn't he? Yes. He's like, he's, and I, I took my mother to see him for, I think it was around, I mean, I can't remember now because she's 71 this year. I can't remember, it's like maybe six years ago in Hyde Park. And it was mind-blowing. I mean, he was just amazing. 
I mean, the energy, but the thing is that that's what's so beautiful is you realize that's with, you know, with music, it is just pure energy and it's flowing through you. It just wakes you up. You're like, oh my goodness, where's this coming from? And it's completely free and natural. Yeah. You know, a lot of the top stars we see today, I mean, I, I don't really, really like a lot of the superstars. I mean, there, there were superstars which have gone, whether, you know, whether it's Dave Bowie or Prince or all of, all of that, though, they are superstars. Right. I don't really see the superstars today as people that I enjoy their music. I find them all a little bit, I, if I'm being honest, I find them all a bit vacuous. Yeah. I sort of think, well, you know, they've got to a certain level, but then how long is it actually going to last their career? You know, it's a lifetime for some people. So I think maybe that might change. It might begin to change. There will be more people where it levels out a bit more, where they're making their careers work. They might not be earning millions of pounds. But I, I think that that might change a bit. It's sort of all a bit samey, really. And, and at some point, that will change because no one's going to keep buying into the same thing because they're going to get bored of it by human nature. So I'm positively hoping that, that there'll be more of a resurgence of wonderfully courageous artists who are just doing their thing. And I think that is happening and we tap into it. It's a good thing for us artists to sort of make recommendations of who we like, you know, not just allow, let's say, Spotify to just do their own playlist, but artists to do their own playlist of the musicians that they love and to add to the catalogue. Because what Spotify needs is a, a big catalogue of different types of music. Because at the moment, it seems a lot of it's new music coming in and maybe not so much old music getting in the playlist. So I think it's a responsibility of us as well for our history and educate as well to our playlist. It's great to have pop music, but I hear one writer pick that from a hit song of that, put it all together. And so people recognize it. That is not writing songs. It's not like you get this, you know, when I wrote Destiny with Sia and Zero Seven, literally the words were given to me by my oldest friend. He's called Alexi Murdoch. He's an amazing artist. My oldest and best male friend. He basically said, you know, when I'm weak, I draw strength to me. And I was like, that's one of the most amazing things anyone's ever said to me. And I, I, I couldn't even believe it. And then when I finally got to meet Zero Seven, which strangely, I'd met them two years before when they came to see me with my first band after I left the Sony thing. I was just like, right, get it, get the band together, my first band. And it wasn't quite right, but I got 500 people down and they were down. I said, I need producers. And they were like, well, we need a singer. And it didn't, it didn't work at that point. And I was like, oh, 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 because I feel like all my life, since I was 25, I'm looking for the producer. But it's all about timing. And at that point, I definitely wouldn't have had those words. And a few years later, I was reintroduced to them via a publisher. And he said, you must go and meet these guys. And it was them. And at that point, my dear friend had said those words to me. And they went, well, we've got this tune. And, you know, we tried out loads of different things. And, you know, it's, it's, you've got the, in, in, you know, we've got the backing track. And I went home, and um, literally the home that I'm still living in today, and I stood at the corner. My first love, an amazing guy, and he's not alive today. He unfortunately died when he was 25. But he gave me, for my 23rd birthday, a NAD amp and a pair of Diamond Wharfdale speakers. And I stood in the corner, put the song on, couldn't come up with a verse, and literally the, the chorus came in, and I just went, Well, I'm weak. I draw strength from you, and when you lost her, and it just came out mm. like that, and that was it, and that's how it happened, and I couldn't write the verse, I took it back to them, I said, I'm really sorry, but the verse ain't coming out, but here's the chorus, I don't know, it's a bit cheesy, 
and um, then she came along with them and wrote the verse, and that was the bit of magic being made for the song called Destiny, which I don't know if you've heard. Of but course anyway, I have, and it is it is magic. I'm actually looking at the link now from when you uh, performed it at the Bing Lounge. Oh, that was a lovely, lovely show. That was, oh, we were in heaven, actually. It was such a lovely moment, that. And I'm really lucky to, to have that wonderful moment um, with my beautiful, you know, band, Yule and Chloe, who are playing with us. Amazing. Um, but yeah, that's how it happened, just sort of in that moment. But it happened naturally. Yeah, completely naturally. By the way, I'm going to give you a recommendation. I don't know if you're aware. There's an online radio station called Radio Paradise. Are you familiar with that? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm not actually. I've written it down, though. It's the best collection of music I've ever heard, and I tell everybody about it oh, because great. there's nothing like it around. Fantastic. Really look forward to listening to that. Oh, we like that. We yeah, definitely yeah. like that. We've got to keep that going, you know. I, I uh, definitely feel that. And, um, you know, I just, I, I do think, I think there are diversities, but we, we do we do do better with a bit of that, you know. It, it pushes us to be creative, you know. Less is more in a lot of ways. And yeah. We just, as you were saying, well, you've got to learn to share it more and not be so afraid that if we share it, we're going to lose it. It's quite the opposite way. You share it. I mean, this very beautiful friend of mine years ago said to me, you know, I, I don't really understand why. She said, she said, if only the people who took realized what it feels like to give, they wouldn't take anymore. And I was like, that is one of the best things I've ever heard. And I said, I agree. How do, you, how do we do that? How do you show people that? Well, you have to teach them. Uh, yeah. Well, also, you know, it is just, but it's also having a likeness of being and a sense of humor and trying to remember that in ourselves as well and, and sort of, you know, when maybe that's the infectious thing about giving is that when you begin to have that inner smile of like, maybe that's the thing that passes. I saw this quite interesting uh, documentary on Netflix the other day called Happy, which I, I, I found quite interesting, actually. Yeah, I've seen um, it. It's good. And it was rather sweet as yeah. well. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you have. Um, anyway, so I feel like I've said so much on this show. But anyway. <laughs> well, that's what you're on the show for. Forever, quite well, no, I mean, this is why I do this. I Go on forever. Even if nobody's listening, and it's just my mother out there, whatever energy that oh, we're yeah. exchanging is going out in the thing, whatever that is, the universe, call it whatever you want. Even if nobody hears us, this energy that's leaving our bodies, it's not yeah. falling on deaf ears. I'm, I'm sure of it. I agree, and I, you know, I, all I mean, and I mean, hilariously, I literally infinitely could continue... Uh, communicating because it just does come it just just seems to flow you know there's not it, it's quite rare that I end up you know I'm not so good at knowing about football I was having a conversation about football and boxing earlier with my brother but um, that's probably where it stops but anyway so there we go I'm looking at LSA I'm looking at your 12 cuts and yeah. uh, and this was just released last year yes yeah, so break the habit is the um, the album that was released at the beginning of last year, Friday the 13th in January. And LSA is the remix album of the album, which is Let's Start Again. I do love electronic music. 
I love it. And I used to, weirdly used to DJ 20 years ago. I did it for about a year and then I just, you know, that wasn't really going to be my, my forum, but I love it. So the remixing and the dance music and, and all those people on that album have either been friends or come to me and they're, they're amazing, you know, artists themselves. The thing that I, I realised is that I was going to release another single, but I love remixes because it's another, again, another perspective. It's really just about trying to reach as many different people, as many different types of music people in the world. Right. And through that, you not only get to hear a very different version or feeling of the song that you've written, um, and sometimes you know, the remixes can you know, express... I mean, I really love all those remixes and all the people who've done them for me. And I just thought, I want to end the year, because the beginning of Break the Habit is Break the Habit, and the end of the album is set start again. So I wanted to begin it with Break the Habit, and then it came to me, I've got to do a remix album, and that was Let's Start Again. And so that's the story of the remix album. I've got vinyl, it's my first vinyl ever. Actually. Oh, that is so cool. That's what I want a piece. I want some vinyl. Yeah, well, you know, I've got the vinyl. In fact, you know, I also have my kids' album coming out, uh, which is on vinyl as well. People in my town are buying record players. One of my recent guests told me she bought a record player for her son, and one of the coolest things she saw was watching him pick up the tone arm and put that thing down on yeah. this record and have like a mechanical relationship with the music that's coming out instead of just clicking yeah. a play button. And she said it was one of the coolest things she's ever seen. Yeah, amazing, amazing thing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It's, there is nothing like a record. The sound is, you know, the quality, incredible. You know, when people are just listening to music on an iPhone, they're certainly not getting different dimensions. Right. But when you open it up to these different, then all dimensions open. You're suddenly like, oh my God, well, what else is out there that's multidimensional? You know, how, what, have I just been living in this one dimensional sound, which in a lot of cases it is one dimensional? So that's an education in itself, and it's vital that those things come back because they are themselves a, a different kind of teaching. And also, it, it adds value back to the music again. Right. So that hopefully, what will happen is. When they start doing that, they will begin to realize that, you know, yes, music has been for free, but if you want to have it on vinyl, then you've got to pay for it. And right. it's worth because it, it sounds a million times better. Go back to the gramophone, you know, exactly what are those grooves and how you make it with a needle. I, I absolutely wish. It's a very interesting time at the moment. It's very, very interesting. I think and, it's pretty um, exciting. It's very exciting. It, it's exciting. And, and as you say, let's hope that we can get all of this good stuff in 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 time yeah. you know in time yeah um because uh that's 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 what we we're slightly backing against but but there are some remarkable people out there and i i really look forward to meeting some of them at some stage i really do i i'm blown away by that some people are doing the love that they put into it it's amazing actually and that's what i just think wow i i, I would aim to be as you know not brilliant but just put that back in, you know, do that as much as I can. Well, I think you are, and, and you're, a, you're a lovely woman, and I so appreciate you taking time out of your day, evening, because it's evening for you, to come on the show and talk to me, and uh, I'm honored to spend the time with you, and I appreciate uh, what you bring to the world. Well, thank you very much, Mark, and thanks for having me on the show, and I hope you have a really great, loving day. And um, 
sending lots of love out into the ether there, into the into the cosmos. And I look forward to meeting you and, and also singing, coming back and singing and and send my love big hugs to Rich. Oh, absolutely. I, I look forward to meeting you too, Sophie. Thanks so much. Not at all. Lots of love. Have a happy Valentine's Day. I wish you lots of love and look forward to seeing you in the future. And thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, Sophie. You take care. Yep, too. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
Jasmine Patton? Yeah. You're now working with women exclusively? Yeah, I'm life coaching and working with them around really empowering them to find their own connection to their inner wisdom and yeah. to take damn good care of themselves and to slow way down. When did it start? Uh, let's see, it started about two years ago. I did some training. Where did you do training? Uh, online program out of Australia. So awesome to have online learning. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's going to eliminate traditional uh, education. Amen to that. <laughs> because it's enough wasting our children's time in these boxes. Oh my goodness, yeah. We've complicated the crap out of this experience, mm -hmm. which is why you have people that you can see. Exactly. Uh, essentially, if without that, you'd have no business, which would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but since it is that way, you might as well, and it's not taking advantage, but you're providing human services that are needed. Yeah, yeah, and really helping uh, women to just like stop all of the input and all of the noise that's coming in. There's, yeah. It's like we're being bombarded all the time by opportunities and ideas and emails and things to do and events. It's just like, oh my God, it's way too much. My biggest question that I love to ask clients right now is what can you not do? Do you actually really have to do that? Are you shooting on yourself? Stop that. Yeah. Before I would see you, I would send you an email with a bunch of questions to give you a chance to talk about some of your struggles and what you're wanting to work on, what's challenging, what's working for you. So I can just get a sense of the themes that are up and where we can start going. And so then we would already come into the conversation having that laid out. And then I'll just pick out a couple themes that are standing out to me and start asking questions and just see what comes up. Yeah. My whole thing is let's get to the heart of it. Like, let's not talk about all the details. Those may come up and be relevant at some point, but like, let's get to the heart of what you want, what you want to create in your life. Do you see similar threads through people that they're having similar issues that they're dealing with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like so almost maybe identical in lots of ways. Since we are programming people, they're coming to you with the program. So it's all the totally, same program. Totally. They're just dealing with it in their own personal way, however that is. Yeah, yeah, good point. One of the things I see a lot is women who are trying to do a lot, like have their own businesses, they're entrepreneurs, they're leaders, they've got right. a mission, maybe they're parents as well. And it's just like, there's a lot going on in their lives. And they're starting to feel the, the overwhelm and the exhaustion from it. And really, they don't necessarily want to be doing all that. And so we talk about how do you come from a more feminine operating system that actually serves us women and female bodies who need certain things, just how do we approach it from a different perspective than what culture is telling us? And which is basically go, 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 do, 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 don't stop. Everything always the same. Wake up and feel awesome. Do your stuff and start over again. Like that's not how we work. Sounds exhausting. It is, right? Yeah. And nature, I mean, is the perfect example. Like she has winter. The moon goes full. The sun goes up, goes yeah. down. It's we become so disconnected. Though, you know, I feel like when we get really into it and I start helping my clients to inquire about what would actually work for them, like if nothing else really mattered, we actually do know. It's just that we need to be asked the questions right. and given the space right. to feel the answers. And I think asking good questions is the opening to understanding and knowledge and insight. Yeah having the time to tune in and see what's actually real for them. But like I was saying, coming at it from a more feminine perspective, 
which means when the moon is new, take a break. When the sun goes down, stop working. Kind of bringing in these sensibilities of nature and the rhythms of that to how we approach, especially entrepreneurial business. Because we could be working all the time, 24-7, if we're not careful. Sure. <laughs> so finding ways to create rhythms of rest and movement. So why specifically, what does that have to do with being a woman? Like anybody can fall into that and, and anybody can wait for the sun to go down and stop working and the new moon. And even though it doesn't sure. maybe physiologically necessarily line up with certain aspects of their humanness, um, what you're saying to me sounds like it's relevant for either gender though. Sure. It totally could be. And I guess the particular point is that as women, we bleed. And so we have a whole different physiological experience of feeling like it's awesome to be on and feeling like I need to be off. Like right. it's not really an option. So then we have crazy PMS or headaches or total exhaustion, or we blow up at people because really we could be taking the time to right. listen and see what else wants to come through during that time. I was just listening to this woman, um, Brooke Medicine Eagle. She's a really beautiful Native American elder and she was talking about how in the cultures that she was speaking about from the beginning they would take four days in the moon lodge and so she started to add up every month four days these women would come together and then you start adding that up over a lifetime and just feeling into that what is that like when the men can do it in their own way take that time for reflection and downtime and communing with the divine like what's possible then instead of just plowing through it all well isn't that advantageous for the men too because they're going to get a more stable reasonable human being hell yeah relationship with yeah versus some crazy nutty person who's not addressing their physiological demands good for everyone and that i talk about self-care a lot and there's resistance that we have to self-care like it's selfish or something like that. And I'm like, no, it's actually good for everybody. When my cup is full, when I feel good, I have more to give, I'm more grounded, and y'all are happier because of it. Right, kids too, man. Yeah. You know, the shit rolls downhill. So if mommy's not feeling good, everybody's going to pay. It can be very uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. My goal and desire and prayer is that the work that I do can support women to slow down tune into themselves and listen and then be able to express that into the world really simply that's yeah. it because i feel like if we can do that and when we can do that like everything changes because there's so many small things that happen along a day a week a month a year where we ignore our intuition or our inner voice where we override our needs or totally ignore them where we feel something rise up but then don't speak it because we're afraid. And of course, there's so many reasons for all of that. But I know in my own life, like I've struggled with that, keeping that voice in or being afraid to speak or not even recognizing what my needs are, much less being able to ask for them. And now that I've spent a bunch of years like really focusing on that, like my life is different. It's so much better. And I just see how profound that is and how potentially empowering that is for not just the women, but for everybody to be able to just honor and respect our needs. Yeah. Yeah. Are they coming to see you from all over the world? It's already happening. Are you doing it on the phone? Um, on the phone and on Skype a lot. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. See, that's where technology... It's Amazing. It's brilliant. Yeah, I got to have a, a really beautiful conversation with a woman in Turkey a couple weeks ago. Someone in Belgium, someone in Italy. How are they finding you? So my friend Jumana, who lives here in town, has an online nine-month program for women. It's called Her Mystery School. 
her mystery school. Yeah. Yeah. So she's amazingly attracted women from all over the world. Yeah. And so I help coach some of the women as they're going through the program. Life coaching is one of the fastest growing professions on the planet right now. And I think it's because back in the day, we used to have our tribe, our community, and we actually had those roles built in. We had the elders, the aunties, the uncles, the sister circles, the brother circles, all of that stuff. So right. we had a consistent systems for feedback and reflection and support. And now, I mean, this society is just like isolating everybody and we need connection. We yeah. need reflection, support and mirroring. So I think that that is why coaching is coming up as this wildfire kind of thing right now, because it's like, oh my God, yeah, I actually need that. I actually need support. It's built into us to actually be connected and supported. When did the light bulb go off in your head that you needed to do some work? About four years ago, a relationship ended and... You know, I had had expectations and wanted to find my lifelong partner and all this stuff. And I'm like, fuck, here I am, 40 or whatever I was. And all the things that I had dreamed about and thought about and thought I wanted, like that totally did not work. So what the fuck am I going to do now? <laughs> and really at that point, I was like, all I know is that I need to keep moving like physically. So I just started walking. I was just like, I'm either going to wither away in a heartbreak or I'm going to move forward. So yeah. I just walked and walked and walked and walked. And from that, just started to develop this realization that I had been ignoring what I needed. And it was painful. And since it was just me, then it was like, okay, well, now it's totally safe and easy. And you have all the space you need. Like, what do you need? And it's been an amazing exploration. And now I know when I need to eat dinner and when I need to eat lunch and how much sleep I like to get. It's just like really coming back to my own rhythms and own understanding of what works for me instead of referencing it to somebody else. So I have a class that I have started teaching that I'm in love with. It's called Say No Like a Pro. And it's all about empowering women to, again, like slow down tune in and see what they actually really want and then be able to express that in a way that is graceful and dignified and clear. And part of what we do is tune into the body to really listen because sometimes the mind can be so chattery and has so much to say. It's like, it just wants to override the body and the intuition and all that. Plus so the ego like, trying to fight for space. Yeah. So we kind of like clear that away and make quiet so that we can tune in and see what's real. And then teaching them how to actually say no in all these different kinds of ways that are actually kind and clear and generous even. Yeah. I wasn't taught that and I needed to know. It seems like around the 40s, like things start to happen if we're not really on our game. So like adrenal fatigue and immune disorders that create exhaustion and illnesses and yeah. real embodied physical things that are just saying, hey, you need to slow down because if you don't do it, like I'm going to make you do it because this is super important. Yeah. Where were you born? Santa Fe. New Mexico. Yeah. What was that like back in whatever? I don't know. I was little. Well, I know. I'm not talking <laughs> was... about, you know, falling around in your diapers. I mean, you eventually went to elementary school. Yeah. We left there when I was about five. Went to Denver. Snow and yeah. winters. And... Oh, my God. So much snow. The kind where you could make igloos and forts and... Wow. I mean, it might take you like a week to dig out your driveway if it's a long one. Yeah. You have to do the different baking times if you're making cake or whatever. Oh, because of the, the Because of the altitude. Oh, because the altitude. Oh, yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, they have special instructions. Yeah. yeah. 
And you have brothers and sisters? I have a half-brother that okay. I met when he was nine, and he's quite a bit younger than me. How's so quite I, a bit? Uh, let's see, he's like 15 years younger. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up as an only child. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I mean, it was, I think in a lot of ways it was great. I got to really explore my creativity and my imagination and all that. But I definitely remember like wanting a sister and calling up my friends to see if they could hang out. But, you know, back then we didn't have answering machines. And so you either got someone right. or you didn't. And so I definitely felt lonely at times. Were your parents aware of that? Yeah, but it's okay. I, f- I feel like I have a lot of gifts from it for sure. And I'm okay with being alone, which I think is a real plus in this world. I think it's honestly, if you can be alone and be happy, then you can have a fantastic experience. Yes. Because I'm never lonely. I mean, literally. You're never lonely? Never. Wow. I feel completely at ease. I'm never bored. Uh, And I know this is now later on in my life and I've accumulated some experience on how to be alone. Mm -hmm. And I also had a gift that helped me become successfully alone, which was cancer. Oh, because it depleted depleted my testosterone for a time, which made me not give a shit about sex anymore. And I know loneliness partially a want for intimacy. So if you don't give a fuck, you're all good. good (laughs) Line up the eunuchs (laughs) because we figured out something that works. Chop away, boys. We don't need these things anymore. (laughs) We're going to figure out how to pee out of our asses. (laughs) So you've recovered? Oh, I had cancer like, I don't know, 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah, they cut off one of my boys and that was it. Done. That was it. You're good. So how'd you do in school? Until my senior year, I was like a 4.2. 4.2? Yeah. Overachiever. <laughs> Holy cow. Alex P. Keaton. Really? <laughs> you know that reference? Um. Oh, God. What is that? Family, what, uh, family ties? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Until my mom took me to London on a business trip with her. It was the first time I'd been out of the country. And it was, How old were you? I was 16, I okay. think. And she was working. And so I went out and explored the city by myself. Went on the tube and went to museums and Trafalgar Square and just all kinds of stuff. So I came back and it's like everything changed the world was bigger yeah yeah Yeah. so then yeah my senior year my my grades went down I think it was all the way down to like a 3.8 or wow loser (laughs) I actually got a a d in calculus because I started to write poetry instead of too mad why do I need to be doing ap calculus your parents are from Denver area they split up when I was about three so at three it was you and your mom that's all you really knew anyway yeah So you guys must be tight as shit. We are, and she just moved here um, a little over a year ago. Fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. Hi, Mom. I love you. Is that from Denver? No, so she has lived many places since then. Portland for a while, in Palm Springs, where I also spent time growing up. And then she went back to Santa Fe. That's where she was last before here. What was her profession, or what is her profession? Public relations and marketing and writing and editing, and now she's a painter. Like a fine art painter? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, super cool. So she retired, essentially? Pretty much. She does a little bit of work, but she's got a lot of time to be focusing on art. And it's so beautiful to watch. And how close do you guys live to each other? Like a couple minutes away. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's Ashland. How far could you I know, exactly. What did you do in Portland? I started my clothing business. What's the name of that business? Dervish. 
Dervish. Dervish. Whirling dervish, isn't that an old school? Like Sufi dance. They're dancing their prayers to God by spinning around and around and around. And somehow they don't fall over and they look graceful doing it. I think they have special powers. Oh, it's because of the, yeah, the special powers. Yeah, and they wear special dresses and hats. And And do you make that stuff? No. Okay. No, my clothes have nothing to do with that, except that they're good for moving in. So they're they're made for like yoga and dance and being active in. How long have you had that company? 19 years. Wow. Yeah. And is it like successful? It pays for you to live? Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And now you don't have to be hands-on and it can just continue on its merry way? Yep. So 19 years with 19 Dervish. years. And I had a boutique for about six years there. Oh, you had your own little store? Yeah. Where was it? On Lower Hawthorne. Cool. Yeah. Was it successful? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's called Dragon Lily. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and my friend and I co-owned it and ran it together and we were both clothing designers and then we had anywhere from 30 to 50 other local small independent designers that we sold there sweet yeah so did you like portland yeah i think for the time that i did and then one day i woke up and i was like oh my god get me out of here what year was that 2008 i think okay but up until that point it was awesome as i was focused on my business and city thing and having a good time with it so where'd you learn to design clothes? I'd say it's in my jeans. Yeah. My grandma was a dressmaker. My great grandma, I mean, everyone before that made stuff because oh. that's just what they did. Yeah. But my grandma had a dress shop in Santa Fe on Canyon Road. And then my mom did clothes and did some stuff for movies. And, oh. But I never actually wanted to learn until I was about 18. And then I was like, hey, mom will you teach me how to sew? And she's like, well, here's a sewing machine. I'm busy, but good luck. And she did help me when I had questions along the way, but I pretty much taught myself. And then eventually I wound up going to fashion design school in Portland for a year. How was that? It was really great. I got solid skills on how to create patterns and make things and just all the technical stuff. Yeah. So you're a teenager. I was a teenager teenager in, in Palm Springs. Palm Springs. That was weird. Yeah, what was that like in that old person place where people go to die? (laughs) Where the streets are named Gerald Ford and it was so conservative. Yeah. Well, it was, but I mean, it's changed so much. So we lived for spring break because it was totally boring the rest of the time. But I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen like the videos of spring break in Palm Springs. It was a thing. People come from LA and all over, party their asses off. The streets would be like just packed with cars. And so it was like cruising the strip. It was the most exciting thing that happened all year. In the summer, it's like 120. So what'd you do about that? We spent a lot of time inside in the air conditioning or jumping in pools. Yeah, we did. And friends did. So we would get in pools and... How long were you in Palm Springs? Like 12 to 17. You must have been somewhat popular. Yeah, I was a cheerleader. And oh, yeah. I was a homecoming princess. Oh, yeah. All that stuff. So you were surrounded by boys. Yeah. It was pretty much one boyfriend after the other, which is why these last four years of being single has been so important. Because since 13, I was pretty much with a boyfriend most, for yeah. most of my life. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that might have served some kind of missing link of not having a father is just constantly having young men in your life yeah and that's not very good for a relationship no no no. i'm not saying it is but i'm just saying it could have been yeah. a motivating factor just based on totally yeah totally and is that what it was pretty much a lot of it yeah yeah and so i've i've had plenty of fodder to uh work through are you still driving cabs 
No. No. I left it when I left. That was it. That first year, dude, was off the fucking rails <laughs> with having a mobile psychiatric unit. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. <laughs> People working their stuff out like in the back seat. They get in the car and drop down. I didn't have to say anything. It was like, boom, okay, so here's what's going on with me. Like, really? It's that easy? And you're paying me for a ride? And you're tipping me? I didn't even have to go get a fucking degree to do this. <laughs> Definitely one of the most rewarding things I've ever done because people are very grateful that you're picking them up from a bar and getting them home. Mm, as they should be. Yes. yes. And so there's a lot of gratitude involved with this service. Uh-huh. But I think that was enough. Yeah. I feel I did my stint. So why are you doing this podcast? I'm so curious. Well, a lot of reasons. I love talking to people. And everybody has something fantastic to offer. Everybody. Mm-hmm. We all are unbelievable. So this is what we're supposed to be doing is communicating with each other and helping each other. I love human beings. Every one of you. I don't like all of you. That's impossible. (laughs) I cannot do that. That's a different thing. You had to go to school to learn how to be a better clothing maker. And we go to school because we want to get better at something that we want to excel at. But this has to be the first thing is you being you. Yeah. You have to be the best version of you you can be. Everything else is absolutely secondary. Mm-hmm. And it will all flow much more easily if we got that piece figured out. Right. So how was high school? Um, yeah, <laughs> complicated. <laughs> was it more complicated than middle school? Yeah. Yeah, I think so because there were boys and there were social dynamics. and Right. But you were the pretty girl and you were a cheerleader. People didn't know what was going on behind your mask. Exactly. Yes. Well, that, that's why it's complicated because there was kind of the outer world or one aspect of me and then the inner world. And, you know, I mean, it's tough being a teenager, no matter yeah. what is going on, yeah. dealing with the the shadows and the demons and the questions and the confusion. It's rough. Today is 2, 2 at 2 o'clock. Oh, I like it. Are you a burner? Yeah, I was. How many times did you go? Seven or eight. Wow, Really? First time I went was in 97. Holy shit. It was, it was on the Black Rock Desert? Yeah, but it, it was near where they have some hot springs. Yeah. And we could actually go to them then. There were like no street signs and it was just, it was wild. It was there was bad, no right? like, don't come close to the man when he burns. It was just free for all. Yeah, no cops around or nothing, right? Yeah, people shooting guns off. So they would take shuttle buses and take us out to the hot springs. Huge pools, like as big as this room a couple yeah. of them and filled with mud and so then everybody was like covered with mud and making mud sculptures on themselves and hanging out all day oh, and fun. go back to the man at night it was super fun yeah plant life there where what? we were on the playa yeah plants yeah i know can't even imagine anything living out there <laughs> you know it was in a slightly different place than it huh. is now what do you do for fun fun uh, get outside really is like my favorite thing to do and explore this whole amazing area that we live in. Do you do a lot of hiking? Uh-huh. Where do you go? Um, it just depends on the season, really. Where do you go today? Today, I went, just went to Lithia up to the fairy ponds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so easy. It's so easy. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. The creek and the trees and everything. Do you go by yourself? A lot of times, yeah. It's like yeah. when I work things out and how I, in quote, work. Like yeah. if I have something that I need to figure out, problem to solve, whatever, go for a hike and I've got it figured out, and then I've got my exercise, and I'm all happy. Well, let's share that with people, because I don't think they understand how easy self-therapy is. One, if you're in the physical shape to do so, 
walking is the greatest thing yes. in the world that you can do. Those fucking two things on the bottom of your ass are not for an accelerator pedal and a brake. <laughs> or a for, chair. Or a chair. They're for walking. <laughs> yes. Walking saved my life, literally. Uh-huh. Walking. Walking is amazing. Because it's the truest form of meditation. Mm. Because once you get into a groove and shut your mind off and just walk, everything can occur to you. Totally. You're... Your, your blood is moving, yep. you're oxygenating yourself, your limbs are moving, there's all kinds of super healthy brain activity happening. Mm -hmm. Go for a walk. Yes, go if, for a walk in as doubt, often as you can. Absolutely, and every if, day. If you're stressed out, if you have something to figure out, like don't sit in front of the computer. No, go, and I, I still have to tell myself like, stop, get off the computer now. Go outside. And just go outside, go into the park, and even if you only go out, a 45-minute walk is as good as going to the gym for three hours, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you're getting emotional work done, too. You're not just getting physical work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know exercise is just good for you overall. But there's something about just the art of walking. Love that. And, I, you know, people say, don't you meditate? I go, no, my walking is my meditation. I don't need to go totally introspective. I could just be out mm -hmm. breathing in air and contemplating all kinds of aspects of my life. And then I'm in this beautiful, you know, we're very fortunate to be in this particular environment yeah. that is a walking, super walking friendly town. Totally. But if I knew this back in San Francisco, I would have been, which I did on visits, I would have been walking across that city all the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't know walking was so great. I remember forever ago, my uh, Chinese doctor was like, you should walk 45 minutes a day. And yeah. I was, at that time, I was like, I don't even understand that. Like I'm living in a city and that seems like so long. And, and now finally all these years later, I'm like, I get it. It's so easy I though. So get it. It's so good. Of course, not everybody can do it because literally some people can't, you know, they're not in good physical shape. Yeah. But here's one thing I've been working with lately is, you know, I have these goals that like maybe this summer I want to do a longer backpacking trip and feel really comfortable with it. And it yeah. feels like a stretch, right? Yeah. And so I know like with exercise and a lot of things, it's easy to say, okay, I have this big goal and I'm going to go for it. And then you go for it and you get, maybe get tired and then give up, right? Yeah, because right. it's just too freaking hard. It's not incremental. So I'm taking on this energy of the tortoise this year, like slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. So I'm like slowly increasing my activity in a sustainable way so that I anchor in a new level and I hang out there for a little bit and then I push it. A little bit more and then anchor that in so that I don't have the big swings of I want to do this thing oh I can't do it I'm just like slowly slowly growing and it feels so good well that's because that's how we need to train it really is once you've done something and you've told your body this is what we're doing your body will start playing along mm -hmm. and then it doesn't know any differently and then it becomes just easy because now you've just modified your behavior yeah it's really just taking the first step and again, like you said, not trying to do these big, bold moves that are shocking. Mm -hmm. It's like easing your way into change. Yeah. I mean, you can change on a dime on things if you want, but when there, there's a lot of Herculean effort involved and it's physical. Yeah. You know, you know, someone just said to me, they go, you know, do five push-ups a day. Do one push-up a day. Just do something, something every day. Yeah. And then you are informing your psyche that, Here's what we're doing now. And I want you to understand this is my <laughs> intent and you will follow through because you do control this whole thing mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and so you get, you are the decider. 
And it's very likely that if you do one push-up, you might want to do another. Right. Right? And even if not, that's okay. But just like you're saying, taking that step and engaging and creating that possibility instead of not doing it. And I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I'm saying these things (laughs) and I need to do some of these things. Okay, right now. One push-up. Want me to do one? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Do you have a phone in case you have to call 911? Did you shut your phone off? Um, it's, it's quiet. I've got it. Okay. You have to watch my form too. Okay. Okay. I'm wearing socks. So I'm sliding all over the floor. Okay. <laughs> he's, just one, he's right? He's doing it. One. I'll Woohoo. Do, do okay. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> and I've been telling myself. You've done it for the day. I, I did it. And now I just have to do it again tomorrow. Yep. And the next day and the next day. And I've been not doing it. And I've been telling myself for weeks, dude. A couple of push-ups and your arms will not look like fucking spaghetti anymore. You're losing muscle mass. You're 56 years old. It's the worst thing you can do. Use it or lose it, buddy. Yeah, even my mom knows that. (laughs) So, thanks for the push-up thing. (laughs) Great. (laughs) It's great to see you. Is there anything, any parting words you want to tell the people, the three people that are listening to my show that could use any advice that you can give? Oh, there's probably more than three people listening. Okay, so the four people that are listening, okay, including so my mother. Four yes. people. Um, well, I would ha- just have a question yeah. to offer, and that would be if you close your eyes and just tune into your body, what does it need right now? What would actually feel good? Close your eyes. Okay. What does your body need right now? To not sit in a chair any longer. Okay. <laughs> You feel good about the whole thing? Yeah. To say the things you wanted to say? Yeah. Great to see you. You too. Well, that's the show. Wow. That was pretty awesome. I I can't even, like, describe the unbelievableness of uh, connecting with these two ladies and we can do this, this whole man-woman thing. It's going to require a new uh, level of emotional maturity and uh, a uh, uh, equal and mutual dissemination and interest in having all the information that we need to uh, better serve each other and be with each other. I want to thank my mom and dad, always willing to play along. Very impressive. And I'm so glad they're feeling better. That's so wonderful that they're feeling better. That's like the best news, really, for me because that just means their quality of life at that time when they're feeling better is better. And that's what it's about, the quality of life. Uh, I want to thank Rich, Rich Reese. He's my producer. He's uh, bringing me the goods. He's kind of spreading the fingers of the Citizen 44 Mark Ehrensberg show out into the uh, other parts of the world country and world places. So that's good. 33 coming up. 33, that's a cool number. I see that one too, by the way, a lot. 333-3333, you remember the cab company number. There's a free little plug for you, Jojo. Okay, word to your mother's uncle. To find out more about Jasmine Patton, visit her online at jasminepatton, that's P-A-T-T-E-N.com. And to find out more about Sophie Barker, you can visit her online as well at sophiebarker.com. Also, I'm going to go ahead and recommend that uh, you check out the Third Industrial Revolution. Look for that. Third Industrial Revolution. And uh, that's uh, a talk uh, being hosted by Jeremy Rifkin. Okay, 
This show is sponsored by Paris Green, a curated collection of incredible objects from around the world. Paris is always a good idea. 77 Oak Street, Ashland, Oregon. Visit them online at Facebook. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. Thank you so much for your support. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44. Stars shining bright above you. Night breezes seem to whisper, I love you. Birds singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me Say nighty night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Stars fading, but I linger on, dear Still craving your kiss I'm longing to linger till dawn, dear Just saying this Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave our worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream